Hi, this is Captain Jeff, and you're listening to the Catholic Foodie episode number 45. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. That's right. This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 45 of the Catholic Foodie, Soul Food. Welcome to the Catholic Foodie. I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, we've got a, an, an exciting show today, a little bit different, a little different than the uh, the normal show. Uh, today is November 1st, and November is a month dedicated to the holy souls in purgatory. So we're going to talk about purgatory today and about the uh, the holy souls and, and what it's like. What is it all about, this Catholic thing of praying for the dead? Uh, not all Christian denominations share that, uh, but we're going to we're even going to pray for the dead today. We're going to talk about some relics and other really good stuff here at the Catholic Foodie. Where food meets faith. <laughs> I had to pause there. I had to hit those notes, you know. Where food meets faith. <laughs> uh, that's one of the few times I think that I've actually uh, not had it planned exactly right. Uh, not that I really plan it. I, I, I don't plan a whole lot, actually, uh, with the show as far as what I'm going to say. I kind of have topics, okay? We're going to talk about this today. We're going to talk about this. And I have resources and whatnot. And uh, we've got, uh, I think, some good things uh, uh, today. Uh, matter of fact, I mean, we I've been thinking about death a lot. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever go through a period of time where you think about death a lot, but I have. And uh, part of that is because, you know, we get, we're getting around Halloween time and then, of course, November and the Holy Souls in Purgatory, um, the Feast of, of All Souls. And also a, a friend of mine, uh, a priest, passed away this past week, and I went to a funeral, went to his funeral on Friday, and I'm going to tell you more about that. But all of these things kind of came together and just made me reflect more on my own mortality, I mean, on 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 life and and on death, uh, so we are going to talk about death today. But I don't think it's going to be a depressing talk. Okay, I don't think it's going to be a depressing show. Uh, we're going to talk about it from the standpoint of faith, and also what our our faith, our our church, uh, has revealed to us, has taught us about uh, death and what it's all about, and uh, about the saints in heaven and the souls in purgatory. So we're going to take it from that perspective, and prayer as well. And on this show, we are actually going to pray for the holy souls and purgatory. So stick around for that. And first, though, we are going to get into some feedback. What's this? A letter for me. The mail Oh, great. Thanks. Captain, incoming message. I want to say thank you again to Sean, the duct tape guy, for sending me that uh, that little bumper there. You can find him over at CatholicRoundup.com. Hi, Jeff. This is Jean in Florida. How you doing? Why don't you do something? It's a citrus season down here. Why don't you do something on citrus? Um, forget the leaves in Florida. We don't have them. They don't fall except in North Florida. But down here in Central Florida... It's citrus season, and it's coming to the point where a lot of people getting ready for citrus, and it comes a couple times a year, and this is one of them. 
so why don't you do something on um, citrus even? That would be a really good thing. Um, I just had the most wonderful grapefruit last night. We had the first of it. So that would be good. And plus, I'd love to email you some recipes. But do something on citrus season. That would be a wonderful thing. I dare you. Okay. Thank you very much up there. Okay, bye-bye. Oh, goodness. Well, thank you so much. (laughs) It's a double dog dare. That's awesome. Um, Yeah, I love uh, citrus. Well, I love orange juice and oranges. There's a dog. Uh, I love, um, when I was in Italy, actually, the, the best oranges I ever had were these blood oranges uh, in Italy, in Milan. And, man, they were good. They, they, were, they were sweet, but it was a, just a different kind of a, of a taste than, than the, uh, the oranges that I had here in the States. Uh, in Louisiana, I know Florida oranges are, are awesome. They're great. But we also have some here in Louisiana. And the Louisiana Naval oranges, there's just something about them. Uh, it's, it's, they're, they're, um, what I want to say delicate, but they're not delicate. It's subdued, right? The citrus flavor is subdued and there's a certain sweetness to it. Just really good stuff. And I look forward to that every fall. Uh, we, we usually get those in and, um, I remember having them around Christmas time every year. Why? I I don't know, but my parents used to put oranges in our stockings, (laughs) uh, at Christmas, which was really pretty cool. Uh, anyway, that's a great idea. I like that. We're going to do some uh, citrus uh, citrus show. That would be cool. Maybe we could even do some recipes with citron, which is a uh, citrus-infused vodka made by Absolute. You never know. It may be appropriate during the wintertime to do a, a cocktail or two to keep you warm at night. And speaking of warm, goodness gracious, it has been unseasonably cold here in Louisiana. Uh, And, of course, some of y'all out there (laughs) are going to listen to this and laugh because, I mean, last night it was like 50 degrees. You you know how unbelievable that is for down here in in Louisiana? Normally it's like mid-December and we're praying that it gets cold before Christmas, so it'll feel like Christmas. But the last few days, I mean, it's just been – actually, the last few weeks, uh, we have had some – uh, some uh, hot spells as well, uh, but whenever it, it has rained, and it, we have gotten tons of rain in October, uh, after the rains come and go, we have just this, this cold front coming through, and it's very nice. I like it. I like the cold weather. I'd, I'd much prefer the cold weather to the heat, uh, but I live here in Louisiana. Go figure. <laughs> um, anyway, I've really been enjoying that, and thanks. Uh, trick-or-treating last night was a lot of fun, especially since it was actually cool outside. You didn't have to worry about mosquitoes and all that kind of stuff. It was just, uh, it was a good time. So thank you for that idea. We'll, we'll certainly do a show on citrus. Well, I received an email from April Swinson, and April had this to say, I'm a new listener of four months, and I'm really enjoying your podcast. What's better than talking about food and faith? Two of my favorite things. We met at the CNMC this past June. My husband, Shannon, and I were volunteers and helped with the conference. Hope all is well and keep up the good work. Oh, my favorite Halloween candy is candy corn (laughs) mixed with dry roasted peanuts. Tastes like a payday. You should give it a try. Blessings from April Swinson. Thank you so much, April. uh, (laughs) I'm not much into the uh, the candy corn, as I said last episode. Uh, last night, there were two girls, two sisters, <laughs> their costumes, they were dressed up as candy corn. You talk about funny. I've got pictures somewhere of that. That was 
that was uh, I, I got really tickled by by their costumes. Um, but you know the, the the peanut butter candy I talked about last episode. It was uh, this sort of like peanut butter bar. I actually found that on um, on the internet, and it's it's made by Atkinsons. Atkinsons, I believe, is the, the name of the company, and it's the Atkinsons peanut butter bar. I think that's what they call it, peanut butter bar. Little white looking thing on the outside, but it's just this, uh, this peanut butter. It's excellent. Um, I have no idea where you can get that th- these days. I'm assuming they still make them, but if you looked up Atkinsons um, or Atkins, no Atkinsons uh, peanut butter bar, you can find some pictures of those on uh, on uh, on the internet. Pretty cool. Let's see. Oh, we have another idea here from Father Jim Tucker. Uh, of the Catholic Creativity Podcast. Uh, Father Jim says, uh, here's an idea for the Catholic foodie. How about an episode on smoothies? I know that Father Roderick is a fan of, of the fan of the smoothie, and I've got some ingredients to try out my first one this week. Uh, is it an idea or what? I think it is, Father Jim. I think that's a great idea. We love smoothies down here. Uh, we go to Smoothie King, actually, to get smoothies. We've made some in the summertime. Char does make some here at the house. Uh, matter of fact, I think I broke a blender once <laughs> making a smoothie. Uh, but anyway, very good stuff, and uh, that would be fun. Maybe we could even work that in somehow with the uh, with the citrus episode and do some citrus smoothies. Sounds yummy to me. All right, got another one from Ann uh, Gunlock. Gunlock. Uh, Ann says, I recently become aware of your podcast due to a mention on the Saintcast, a, a Saintcast episode, and I would like to offer you a possible show topic. Oh, this one's really cool, by the way. Very cool. Uh, Couple to Couple League is a natural family planning organization, and we recently published the fourth edition of a very popular book geared to NFP users, Fertility Cycles and Nutrition by Marilyn Shannon. Marilyn has been an NFP teacher for, for the Couple to Couple League for many years and is also a professor of biology. Long ago, she saw a connection between the quality of women's fertility cycles and their diets. Her book is all about eating well and maintaining a healthy body mass index in order to have optimal fertility. Uh, This book has helped many, I'm sorry, this book has helped make the practice of NFP easier for thousands of NFP couples thanks to better fertility and has also helped many couples achieve much desired pregnancies through better nutrition. Wow, that is very, very cool. I've actually heard about this before. Uh, Char and I took NFP classes uh, before we got married uh, and have been a very, we've been proponents of the couple to couple league. Anytime we talk to a couple who wants to know more about NFP, I send them to the couple to couple league. A great website over there. You can just Google couple to couple league. I don't remember offhand the actual URL address. Uh, but this is a great idea, too, to talk about NFP and uh, fertility and nutrition. I mean, that would be excellent. Of course, I think, I mean, I'm not an expert when it comes to things like that. So that may be an episode where we need to get somebody else who is an expert to come on the show and talk to us about that. So uh, fantastic. Thank you so much for that uh, for that, that message, that email. Uh, this last email we got is from a friend of mine, Robert Simpson. We heard it, we heard from Robert before uh, on the coffee episode. He's one of the guys who goes faithfully over to Campbell's Coffee and buys his beans whole, freshly roasted. 
Uh, but, but uh, you know, I teach with Robert. We both teach at St. Paul's High School. And he had this to say. He says, I too attended uh, the veneration of St. Mary's relic, which we're going to get into later, by the way. Uh, the relic of St. Mary Magdalene was here yesterday. No, two days ago, Friday, uh, here in town. And uh, the whole family, we all went and venerated this relic. Anyway, Robert uh, said that he also went to venerate the relic. And he said it was most edifying. I love being Catholic, he says. Earlier in the week, I was able to catch the EWTN show with Father Pacqua and the team traveling with the relic. Uh, I found it interesting, the amount of Old Testament references to the use of relics. In other words, bones, cloaks, etc. Uh, I, I was given a healthy dose of death this week as I attended the funeral of a Benedictine priest as well as viewing the relic. St. Benedict tells his monks to keep death before you always. With this, of course, is hope of life everlasting with God. And as a matter of fact, Robert mentions this quote from the, uh, uh, from the, the rule of St. Benedict, and I believe it's in chapter 4 of the rule where you would find this, um, what do you call it? I want to say encouragement, but it's not encouragement. It is, uh, there's a word for it and I can't think of it, but he is basically saying this is what you should do. Keep death ever before your eyes because in, in, in being mindful of your own death, you will uh, live life to the fullest. You'll live life in a better way. So I can't, uh, I can't argue with that at all. Matter of fact, having my own healthy dose of death this past week, uh, I, I can vouch for that. It is certainly true. It has made me step back and think about my faith, about my, uh, my life, my prayer life, uh, sacramentally, how am I standing with God and with the church? Uh, it's made me think of all these things, right? The last things, death, heaven, hell, and purgatory. So that's it for feedback this week. If you would like to leave feedback for the Catholic Foodie, you can do so in one of two ways. You can leave me a voice message, a voicemail at 985-635-4974. And we love voice feedback, by the way. I love it, and I will certainly play it on the show Nine eight five six three five four nine seven four, or you can send me an email at catholicfoodie at gmail dot com. Well, before we move into talking about Saint Mary Magdalene, as Robert brought up in his feedback, uh, we and relics, right? The relic, a relic of Saint Mary Magdalene. Before we get into that, uh, I want to play this for you. Uh, Sean, the duct tape guy, once again sent this in. As a reminder that November is Support a Catholic Podcast Month. And let's listen to what uh, Sean has to say. Hello, I'm Sean McGahee from the Catholic Roundup. Over at FallibleBlogma.com, Matthew Warner is just wrapping up a very successful Support a Catholic Speaker Month, where nearly 100 Catholic bloggers submitted profiles for 100 Catholic speakers. I would like to declare November as Support a Catholic Podcaster Month. For most Catholic podcasters and bloggers, creating new media is a labor of love. We gain much satisfaction from the comments and feedback of our listeners, and by the support of our listeners in helping grow our audience by recommending it to others. Voting for a podcast on PodcastAlley.com has proven to be a very effective means for helping a podcast reach a larger audience. Beginning November 1st, I would like to encourage as many people as possible to vote for Catholic Podcasts over at PodcastAlley.com. 
The way it works is that you can vote for as many podcasts as you would like, but you can only vote once monthly for each podcast. It is my hope that we can have all Catholic podcasts in the top 20 in the religion and spirituality category at Podcast Alley, and maybe we can get a few in the overall top 10 on PodcastAlley.com. This simple effort has the potential to increase the profile of Catholic podcasts and expose them to a much larger audience. And if you're feeling generous, you can vote for the Catholic Roundup as well. If you are a Catholic podcaster, you can help by adding your Podcast Alley link to the comments over at CatholicRoundup.com. And once you've voted, be sure to let us know in the comments. Well, thank you so much, Sean. That is, uh, it's awesome. It is great to support Catholic new media, which is one of the things that's so awesome about SQPN. Uh, it, it, it's it's a force to be reckoned with, right? Uh, there's just so much great Catholic content uh, in the in uh, with by um, oh goodness, now I'm oh you can tell it was a late night last night, can't you? <laughs> just so much great Catholic content over at SQPN.com. Uh, lots of excellent podcasts, and uh, if you haven't visited sqpn.com, I'd recommend you do so. There's just so much good, good stuff there, and there's so many more that, that are not associated with SQPN. It's so much more great Catholic content out there, and to be able to go to Podcast Alley or iTunes also and to uh, write a review or to vote for these particular podcasts, excellent, excellent way to uh, not only support the podcasters and what they're trying to do, but also to make the Catholic uh, content, Catholic content out there in these podcasts, uh, to be more visible to other people. I've asked in previous episodes here at the Catholic Foodie, and I'll ask again that if you have just a few minutes to go over to iTunes, search for the Catholic Foodie, and go on and, and rate the show, and also leave a quick comment, just a quick. Uh, recommendation or review of the Catholic Foodie there. It helps to bump us up in the uh, the listing of ca- of content there on iTunes so that if someone does look up, say, Catholic, for instance, uh, Catholic Foodie does indeed appear there on that list. But, you know, we're not there at the top, but with more reviews, it does bump us up in the queue. So, excellent uh, idea, Sean. Thank you so much for suggesting that, and I want to recommend to all listeners of the Catholic Foodie, that we participate in this November Support a Catholic Podcast Month. Well, what an incredible week. It really has been an incredible week for me. Uh, you know, the last several weeks have been incredible for me, really, when I think about it. I mean, we had our uh, parish mission, not this past week, but the week before that. And it was just, uh, it was Father Ben Cameron, I believe is his name, one of the Fathers of Mercy. He came to our parish and preached for four days. Uh, we also had um, uh, confession. Matter of fact, he spent 21 hours over the course of four days, 21 hours in the confessional. Is that not amazing? Uh, And we also had uh, our associate pastor there hearing confessions as well. That, I I, I just, I got to go to confession to this priest, and it was just a, um, 
you know, with somebody new and different. I mean, I go to confession on a regular basis, about once a month, and you know, you get, it can kind of get routine. That's true. It can get kind of routine. Uh, so to go to confession to a priest that not only someone I don't know, but also somebody, this is their main ministry. The Fathers of Mercy, their main ministry is to preach uh, parish mis- missions, but also to bring or to highlight the importance of and the necessity of the sacrament of reconciliation. So this guy's like a personal, not a personal, a professional uh, confessor. <laughs> so I thought, man, I want to go to confession to him. And it really was. It was a, um, it was a powerful experience. Uh, I waited two hours in line to go to confession to this priest. And uh, there were only about 16 people, 15, 16 people in front of me. So that ought to tell you something. This guy was, uh, this priest was pretty amazing uh, in the confessional. So anyway, um, that was an exciting week. It was a very uh, spiritual week for me. It was edifying. It kind of boosted my uh, my faith and my life of prayer. And then here we come into this week, this past week. And I had a friend of mine who used to, I used to go to confession to him, matter of fact, and also went to receive some spiritual direction as well. Father Thomas Perrier, who is a Benedictine monk at St. Joseph Abbey here in Covington, Louisiana, uh, the, the abbey on which sits the seminary uh, from from where I graduated or from, I don't know if that's right English, correct English, <laughs> but where I graduated, right, the seminary is there on that campus. And he passed away in his sleep. Apparently, just his heart stopped beating uh, in his sleep on, I think it was Monday night of last week, this past Monday night. And the funeral was Friday. Uh, I was able to take off from school, uh, from work, to go over and uh, and attend the funeral, which it was a Benedictine funeral in a monastery. The the church was packed, standing room only. Uh, It was amazing, all the people who... Who were there? Four bishops in attendance. Uh, the the abbot, of course, was the main celebrant, and there were so many priests. It was just unreal how many priests were there. Uh, I wish I was good at numbers. I would estimate how many there were, but it was unbelievable. Uh, matter of fact, a lot of those priests came in the night before, and so a bunch of friends, a bunch of guys that I went to the seminary with, we all got together on Thursday night, and just you know, it was like a little mini reunion. It was really cool. Uh, but I don't know the 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 death of this friend of mine, um, the funeral, which was just so beautiful and so uh, spiritual. And once again, as Saint Benedict said, "Keep death ever before your eyes." The abbot used that opportunity uh, to remind all of us how important that is. And it was just um, it was very prayerful, very prayerful. And I guess I really needed to hear this message this week to think about death to remember that I am mortal and I am going to die. And so what do I want to make sure of? I want to make sure that I am in good standing and right relationship with God, first of all, uh, and and with other people, with people. So uh, definitely has increased my prayer and my commitment. I have really recommitted myself to, uh, to daily prayer as a result of this week. And I would encourage... All of you, here we are on the Feast of All Saints, right? The Feast of All Saints, celebrating the fact that we have so many people in the church uh, who are now in heaven, Uh, the the church triumphant, as it's known, in heaven. 
And some of them are named and some of them are not named. But they're there with God in heaven praying for us, urging us on, saying, come on home, you know, uh, fight the good fight, run the good race, and, and we can't wait for you to be here with us uh, when it's your time. Uh, so the saints in heaven is just a, such an incredible thing. And if, if you want to know more about the saints, if you want to know more about canonization, beatification, all these addications, right, all these <laughs> Asians, uh, then I would encourage you to go over to the Saintcast at saintcast.org. And uh, Dr. Paul Camerata does a fantastic job talking about the saints. But in, in many of the episodes, I've heard him talk about the whole process of the church declaring that someone is a saint, canonization, and what that's all about. So good stuff there, which helps us to, uh, to have good examples of what it is to live a life of holiness. We're all called to live holy, holy lives. Uh, live lives of holiness, and then to enjoy forever uh, the vision of God's glory in heaven with the saints. It's pretty awesome stuff. And speaking of saints, we had a saint here in my town, or actually just outside of my town, Friday night, all day Friday, actually. I'm talking about a saint. Incredible. It was Saint Mary Magdalene. Saint Mary Magdalene from the New Testament was here in Mandeville, Louisiana, which is just outside the next town over from Covington, all day. Unbelievable. Uh, and, and myself, you know, I took my, my entire family, and we went to venerate this relic, the tibia of St. Mary Magdalene. Pretty incredible. Now, if you would indulge me just a moment, uh, actually three minutes, and I think it's actually three minutes and 25 seconds, <laughs> I have a news story here. Uh, from the TV station, local TV station, on this relic and a little bit of the background of why it's traveling around and what it was doing here in this part of Louisiana. So uh, please, I hope you enjoy this. It's very, I learned a lot about uh, the relic, this particular relic, and a little bit of the background. So please, uh, indulge me just for a few minutes here. Of St. Mary Magdalene, who is a prominent figure in Christianity, especially in Catholicism. Those relics are on display in Mandeville. They are at the Lady of the Lake Church for public viewing starting at 1 o'clock this afternoon. Our Doug Mouton is joining us live from Mandeville with more on that. And for the faithful, this is a really big deal, Doug. It's a huge deal out here, Eric. And right now, yes, the relics of St. Mary Magdalene are inside Our Lady of the Lake Church here in Old Mandeville. Now, school actually let out here at the school here at 11 o'clock. So Father John Talamo, the pastor here, wanted to get all of his students safely off campus before opening up his church to the general public. But very soon, people will be allowed inside to see the reliquary of St. Mary Magdalene. It arrived here around 10 this morning, and students from Our Lady of the Lake helped carry those relics relics inside. These relics have been in Europe since the second century, and they've been on continuous display for the past 730 years in France. This is actually the first trip ever to the United States 
for St. Mary Magdalene's relics. Only 30-something churches in America are part of this tour, mostly in the southeast and in New York City. So it is quite an honor for Our Lady of the Lake Church here in Mandeville and for St. Anthony of Padua Church on Canal Street, where the relics will be tomorrow and Sunday. And so far this morning, hundreds have already been through to view the relics, including every student here at Our Lady of the Lake. The relics include a piece of St. Mary Magdalene's shin bone, her tibia. In the Bible, of course, Mary Magdalene was the first witness to the resurrection of Christ. And those who were here early this morning say they felt that history. This is the biggest thrill of my life. I, just, I don't know how to put it into words. It's, it's, it's tremendous. It's one a lifetime event. You'll never see this again in your lifetime. Not in my lifetime, anyway. You have in Mary Magdalene a woman who is at the foot of the cross, a woman who, who knelt before Jesus many times, and a woman who he chose to send to the apostles to tell them that he, he was risen. And so, in a way, it's like... She's coming to the new world, you know, to the United States, and giving us an opportunity to understand the new evangelization that Pope John Paul II had given us in the last, uh, I guess, the last century. Edward Clancy is part of that group touring with the relics to all these churches in the southeast and again in New York. City. They have moved up the time. They were able to get the school kids um, safely away from school. So now the church will open up at 1215 in just a few minutes. It will be open to the public all day into the night. There is a candlelight mass tonight at 11 o'clock. It should be quite a day. And Eric, I guess the, the, the big thing is here is we really don't know how many people will be coming out today. Uh, we certainly expect numbers in the hundreds, but We'll find out this afternoon. Reporting live in Old Mandeville, Doug Mouton, Channel 4 Eyewitness News. Eric. And, and again, Doug, how long will it be there? It will be here through tonight and then early tomorrow morning. Then I, I think it's around 9.30 tomorrow morning. The relics head to St. Anthony of Padua, which is on Canal Street, and they'll be on display there Saturday and Sunday. So there are plenty of opportunities uh, for the faithful here in the New Orleans metro to see the relics. But today, tomorrow, and Sunday are the only three days. All right, Doug. Thank you very much. Back wow, that was really pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, it's it's weird. I mean, I don't know if you've seen any relics. I don't know if you've seen a relic of like, uh, you know, a, a first-class relic, a bone of a saint. Uh, but, you know, when you stop and think about that, that's kind of weird. <laughs> we venerate, don't worship, but venerate bones of saints, relics. Uh, uh, clothing that they wore, objects that they touched. Why in the world do we weirdo Catholics do this? I mean, this is nobody else does this. Why do we do it? Uh, the interesting thing about relics is that, uh, I mean, granted, to our sensibilities today, especially those of us in uh, in the United States, where death has been sanitized to death, <laughs> it's been you know cleaned up, made pretty. Uh, when you go to a funeral, okay, you know the corpse is all nice and pretty looking. They do the best they can. Uh, hospitals are spotless. I mean, we we tend to sanitize the rougher parts of life, which yeah, you know, I can't say that's bad. I just sometimes it helps us or makes us forget uh, what death is like and what uh, sickness is like and what health can be like, right? And we start to make a god of health instead. Anyway. Uh, I had a point to this, and what was the point? Uh, well, we sanitize things so much that to, to, to wonder about, you know, venerating the bone bones of someone, I mean, that's just 
weird. So what I did is I went online and uh, went over to this website. It's called fisheaters.com, and it's all about Catholic apologetics. And uh, they had some references here on uh, relics and what, what the relic thing is, what it's all about. Uh, and there was something here I wanted to share. There's a lot of, lot of things. There's tons and tons of relics all over the world. Uh, and there's even some here in the United States. It's very interesting. But going back to Scripture, think about this. Going back to Scripture, there are four quotes from Scripture I want to read to you very quickly uh, dealing with relics. The first one's from Exodus chapter 13, verse 19. And it says, and, and Moses took Joseph's bones with him because he had adjured the children of Israel, saying, God shall visit you, carry out my bones from hence with you. And this, unfortunately, the, the, the translation is a little older English, so it's uh, maybe not as easy for everybody to understand. But basically, Moses carried out the bones of Joseph. Uh, they carried the bones with them. In, in uh, uh, 4 Kings, chapter 13, it says, And Eliseus died, and they buried him. And the rovers from Moab came to the land the same year. And some that were burying a man saw the rovers and cast the body into the sepulcher of Eliseus. And when it had touched the bones of Eliseus, the man came to life and stood upon his feet. Once again, you see the power of God, the power somehow of God uh, working through the bones of a human being. In Matthew chapter 9, And behold, a woman who was troubled with an issue of blood twelve years for twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I shall touch only his garment, I shall be healed. But Jesus, turning and seeing her, said, Be of good heart, daughter. Thy faith has made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. And then in Acts chapter 19, it says that, And God wrought by the hand of Paul more than common miracles, so that even there were brought from his body to the sick handkerchiefs and aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the wicked spirits went out of them. Wow. So, I mean, what do we see here? What do we see here in relics? And that includes uh, the bones of, of, uh, of saints. It includes articles of clothing that they wore, objects that were touched their bodies. What do we see here in relics? We see something that is very much in keeping with the sacramental reality of creation, right? What is a sacrament? Do you remember the basic Baltimore Catechism uh, definition of a sacrament? What is it? It's an outward outward sign instituted by Christ that conveys or communicates grace, right? And you could throw the word efficaciously in there because it does it every time, and it does it perfectly. It is an outward sign uh, instituted by Christ to communicate or convey grace. What does that mean? It means that there is something physical. Golly, doors banging left and right here. It's something physical that God uses to give us grace. Uh, the sacraments, of course, you see this in the sacraments, uh, bread and wine, water, oil, uh, all these different concrete physical things that in and of themselves 
when it's, the sacrament is celebrated, the, the thing itself is a channel of God's grace to us. When we receive the host in communion, we are receiving Jesus himself, body, blood, soul, and divinity. This is Christ, and he gives us grace. And grace, by the way, is a fancy word for saying the very life of God. It is the life of God himself, the same kind of life that he breathed into Adam in Genesis, and the same life that descended upon and entered the apostles and all the disciples and our blessed mother gathered together in the upper room in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, at the Feast of Pentecost, right? The very same life of God comes into us through the sacraments. So God uses very concrete, real, human things to communicate his life to us. And the same thing happens with relics. The bone of a saint. This is a person who lived a life of God, lived a life of holiness, which means that God's grace was so operative in this particular person's life that in a way that that, that life really kind of came out of that person, went out of that person and touched all those around them, sometimes miraculously. But for someone to be declared a saint, they have to have three miracles associated with their intercession. So even if in this life they may be, there may be no miracles associated with them in this life, but once they are gone, once they are in heaven, people pray to them and ask them to intercede for them for certain needs, whether it's a physical healing or something else. And through investigation, the church comes to, to, to see, to realize that, yes, this particular miracle happened through the intercession of this particular saint. So miracles are wrought. God's life is coming to us through that particular person. So it's it's uh, it's interesting, very interesting. Uh, in the Old Testament, I mean the New Testament, once again, Acts the Apostles, this isn't one of those quotes, but if you remember, uh, the miracles associated with the life of Peter in the Acts of the Apostles were so great that some people would gather the sick and place them on the ground where right by where Peter would be walking because they would think that even by being touched or even through uh, being touched by the shadow of Peter as he walked by that they would be healed or they would touch cloths, handkerchiefs to Peter and that that cloth or handkerchief could then be taken and placed on the, the sick and they would be healed. It's amazing. So this is what happened just the other day. The relic of Saint, uh, the tibia of Saint Margaret Mary, right? The first person to whom Jesus appeared, as far as we know, in the Gospels, the the one who was sent by Jesus to go and to tell the apostles, "Hey, I'm alive." This woman's tibia was here in my town, and we got to go venerate it. And man, we. I walked up that reliquary. I'm going to put an image of it on uh, on the website. But I walked up to that reliquary. with It was up there at the front, right in front of the sanctuary. And then right behind her, right behind the relic on the altar, is Jesus exposed in the Blessed Sacrament, right, with, with, with uh, adoration of the Blessed Sacrament going on. I walked up with my whole family. We're all kneeling right there in front of the reliquary, all of our hands touching the reliquary, praying for all of our needs. And so I'm 
praying my heart out for my family and for all the needs that we have and that I have and, you know, that I will be holy, that I can be holy because I've got a long road. <laughs> I've got a, a long road to hoe here to, uh, uh, to, to, to be holy. But praying for those things, and I took my rosary, matter of fact, I uh, took my rosary and touched it to the reliquary, praying that, you know, that that uh, the same thing would happen when, when you know, the, touched it to a relic, right? That in a way, my own rosary is almost like a third-class relic because it has touched the, the first-class relic of St. Mary Magdalene. So an incredible experience. I was so happy that we were able to, uh, to experience that, to be there. And uh, I prayed for you as well. Uh, kneeling there in front of Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament at that reliquary, I also prayed for all those who listened to not only the Catholic foodie, but also those who listen to all uh, those wonderful podcasts of SQPN and also of all the Catholic podcasts out there, all those people who are out podcasting Catholic content, putting good Catholic content out there on the Internet, uh, praying for all those listeners. So I prayed for you. Now, in addition to All Saints, this very evening we begin to celebrate the Vigil of All Souls Day. And when you talk about all souls, what does that mean? Does it mean necessarily me and you? Well, maybe not necessarily right now, but in the future, probably, hopefully, hopefully, uh, because we're praying for the souls in purgatory. All Souls Day, praying for all the faithful departed, all those who have died and are in a period of purgation, preparing themselves to enter into heaven. So let's talk about the poor souls for a moment. True love. love, you heard him? You could not ask for a more noble cause than that. Sonny, true love is the greatest thing in the world. Except for nice MLT, mutton, lettuce, and tomato sandwich when the mutton is nice and lean and the tomatoes are ripe. They're so perky. I love that. Well, heaven is our ultimate goal. Heaven is our ultimate goal. That's going home to God. Uh, but purgatory is one of those places where, you know, it's necessary. It's it's something that uh, that we human beings need because nothing profane can enter into God's presence. And uh, so what happens? If, if you live in a life of holiness, if you live in a life uh, dedicated to God, you're trying your best, you're doing everything you can, uh, following the, the teachings of the church and, and praying and being united with God and living in a state of grace, uh, but you're still somewhat attached to sin. Uh, what happens? Are you doomed to hell? Are you just out of luck? Uh, I don't think so. And the church has taught from the very beginning uh, that there is a place called purgatory, a place where we can go after death or where we do go after death uh, to be purified before entering into uh, heaven. Now, a lot of Christians do not share our Catholic belief in purgatory. And one of the reasons they say, well, where's that in the Bible? Right? There's no mention of purgatory in the Bible. And uh, one response could be, well, if that's the case, do you believe in the Trinity? Because the Trinity is not in the Bible. Nothing anywhere in the Bible, nowhere. Does it say anything about the Trinity in the Bible? 
Now we're shown the Trinity at the, at the baptism of Jesus, matter of fact. It's the only place in the scriptures where you see you're, you're presented with all three persons of the Blessed Trinity. Jesus, of course, is being baptized. God the Father is speaking from the clouds, saying, This is my beloved Son, hear him. And what else happens? The Holy Spirit descends upon him in the form of a dove. That is the only instance in the Bible where you see all three persons of the Blessed Trinity, the Holy Trinity, at the same time. So the Trinity is not taught explicitly in the New Testament, but the fathers of the church, the the early Christians from the very beginning have always believed in the Trinity. Jesus talked about the Father, that he came from the Father, that the Father had sent him, that he's going back to the Father. He talked about the Father. He talked about the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to leave you orphaned. I'm going to send the paraclete, the advocate, the Holy Spirit upon you. He referred to the other persons of the Blessed Trinity. Uh, so we, we believe because of that. Paul, and I wish I had the quote handy, but I don't. Paul refers to a, uh, a, a purifying fire after death. And I can't remember the letter. I can't, uh, can't believe that. Maybe I have to look it up and, uh, and put that into the show notes. Goodness gracious, I wish I would have looked that up. Anyway, so uh, that is, Paul refers to it. Some of the, the Catholic letters, the, the, uh, the deuterocanonical writings as they're called, which most Protestants from Martin Luther, since he, he – uh, long story, I could tell you all the background of the deuterocanonical books and why they're not in Protestant Bibles. I could tell you all that, but we'd be here all day. Um, suffice it to say it was Luther who went back and used a different translation, the actual Hebrew translation of the Old Testament – uh, to to translate into uh, a German Bible, and because of that, the 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 books that we have that are not in Protestant Bibles were not in the Hebrew text. That's why we're they're missing the books that we have. the The original translation that we have used and has been used throughout history in the Catholic Church has been the the Greek translation. Uh, it's been translated. Under the uh, I can't remember the king's name at this point, a Jewish king who uh, wanted the translation of the Old Testament into Greek because there were so many Jews living in Greek-speaking areas, they wanted everybody to be able to read it or to hear it, to understand it. So uh, we use the Greek version, the Septuagint, and the um, the Protestants do not. So that's the long and the short of it. But in some of those deuterocanonical books, you have references to Praying for the dead. Now, if people die and they're all in heaven, why do you need to pray for them? You don't. They're already with God. But we Catholics, right, we pray for the dead because we believe in purgatory. And we look at these references in Scripture, both by Paul and also uh, in the Deuterocanonical books, as confirmation that, indeed, there is a place called purgatory and that we need to pray for the dead. The dead need our prayers. And so uh, I'll, I'm going to put these references in the show notes, by the way, uh, and send that to you on in the show notes. Let me see something here. Oh, Second Maccabees. That's one of the places where they refer to praying for the dead. 
I wonder if they have the one, Malachi. Do they have the one from Paul's letters? Where is that? All right, look, 1 Corinthians 3. Listen to this. Every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, this is Old English, by the way, he shall receive a a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. And you can look that up in your Bible, better translation maybe, 1 Corinthians 3, verses 13 to 15. So Paul alludes to the fact that there could be purgation, right, a purification after death. So very, very cool here leads us to our belief in purgatory. Now, what about praying for the dead? What is this all about? Why do we pray for the dead? Well, it's Catholic belief that once a soul is in purgatory, their ability to to gain merit, their ability to pray to God and to gain grace in the same way that we do here on earth, it, it doesn't work the same way. It doesn't work the same way. They can pray for others. Matter of fact, the souls in purgatory can pray for us. But in order for them to gain, uh, this is a terrible analogy, right? But in order for them to gain grace, to gain merit, uh, to be purified more quickly in order to enter uh, the kingdom of God, then they need our prayers and our sacrifices. We can offer things up for the souls in purgatory. So once again on fisheaters.com, uh, you see another, another – I'm going to put this link in the show notes as well. You see something that refers here to praying for the dead and how important that is. It makes reference once again to Maccabees chapter 12, 43 to 46. And this is, again, an old translation, but it says, In making a gathering, he, meaning Judas, sent 12,000 drachmas of silver to Jerusalem for sacrifice to be offered for the sins of the dead thinking well and religiously concerning the resurrection. For if he had not hoped that they, that they that were slain should rise again, it would have seemed superfluous and vain to pray for the dead. And because he considered that they who had fallen asleep with godliness had great grace laid up for them, it is therefore a holy and wholesome thought to pray for the dead, that they may be loosed from sins. That is just a perfect explanation of what we're talking about with purgatory and praying for the dead. That is grace. Once again, Maccabees 12, 43 to 46. You may want to look that one up. So we pray for the dead. And there's so many things that we can do to pray for the dead. And the holy souls in purgatory, especially like the Feast of All Souls, that is like their feast. Uh, it is set up for them. We can pray for the souls in purgatory. Uh, let's see. Also, the month of November, by the way, the month of November is dedicated to the souls in purgatory. And we, uh, we pray for them in a special way uh, during that time. Uh, matter of fact, I have a few prayers I want to, uh, uh, to share with you and ask you actually to join me in prayer for the poor souls in purgatory. 
And I'm trying to find... Where did I put this stuff? I get lost. Bear with me, please. I get lost all the time. Where am I? Okay. That's not it. Is this it? Aha. Here. Here it is. Okay. Now, I have to tell you that in my family, in my life, I think about the dead all the time. Uh, it's kind of weird to say that out loud, but uh, at Mass, every Mass you go to in the Eucharistic prayer, at one point, we pray for the dead. All those that we can remember, all those that we have in mind. And so every Mass, I am praying for uh, all those relatives and friends that I have uh, who have passed away. And I pray for them by name. I try to remember everybody in the moment, and I go through and, and pray for each one. Uh, but in addition to that, we have a uh, tradition here in our house, in our home, that whenever we sit down to a meal and we pray uh, the grace before meals, right? Bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts, which we're about to receive from thy bounty through Christ our Lord. Amen. We also pray a blessing on each of the children. The children then pray a blessing on each of us, uh, parents, uh, Char and I. And then we say... Eternal rest grant to them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May the souls of the faithful departed, through the mercy of God, rest in peace. Amen. So we pray for the dead at every meal that we share together. This wonderful tradition was taught to us by a very good friend of mine. Matter of fact, we were roommates in college when, when I was going to Steubenville, long time ago, the Franciscan University. And uh, they live out in California, Alan and Maritza Tamburo. Alan and Maritza, if y'all listening, hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for teaching us this tradition. Uh, they came over to visit. They were in town, uh, not in town, they were passing through here to go visit Maritza's brother that I also went to uh, school with in, in, uh, at the Franciscan University. And uh, they stopped by here and stayed the night. And when we had dinner, as we were doing the blessing, uh, once again, we blessed each of our children, and then we blessed uh, uh, Alan and Maritz and their family for being here. And I was actually in the act of making the sign of the cross to end our prayer, and Alan and Maritz cut in, <laughs> and they pray this prayer for the dead, for the souls in purgatory. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. And we picked it up right away. We started to use that same prayer that's to, to implement that same tradition right away. So maybe that's something you can consider. When you bless your food, which is something we eat every day, right? We eat every day, uh, usually multiple times a day. So why not, after our prayer of blessing of the food, pray for those poor souls in purgatory? So uh, here are uh, a couple of prayers that we're going to pray for the poor souls. And I'd ask you to join me in prayer. Uh, the first one is the one that I just prayed. Not too complicated. It is... Uh, eternal rest, right? So we're going to start with with that one. And then I had another one here. Oh, here we are. Okay. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Eternal rest, grant to them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May the souls of the faithful departed, through the mercy of God, rest in peace. Amen. I'd also like to recite as a prayer a psalm, Psalm 130, 
which is used oftentimes uh, in remembering the faithful departed. And we're going to pray this one for our dear departed, those in our families, uh, close friends of ours who have died and have gone on. Uh, And we're also, let's pray also for those souls who have no one to pray for them, those who are the most forgotten souls. We'll pray for them as well. This psalm is also referred to as De Profundis, uh, De Profundis, I guess you would say, and with an English accent, uh, American accent. Out of the Depths is also the title of this psalm. Out of the depths I cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. O let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleading. If you, O Lord, should mark our guilt, Lord, who would survive? But with you is found forgiveness. For this we revere you. My soul is waiting for the Lord. I count on his word. My soul is longing for the Lord more than watchmen for daybreak. Let the watchmen count on daybreak and Israel on the Lord. Because with the Lord there is mercy and fullness of redemption. Israel indeed he will redeem from all its iniquity. Amen. Amen. Now I'm going to share one more prayer with you. And this prayer is called the Heroic Work of Charity. And as far as I can tell, this was actually written by Blessed James Alberioni. I will tell you more about, uh, as in future episodes, more about the Holy Family Institute uh, to which Cheryl and I belong, and also the Pauline family. Uh, a couple of the most uh, well-known branches of this family are the Daughters of St. Paul and also the Society of St. Paul. Uh, but there are ten branches total, and the Holy Family Institute is one of those branches. And I will, I will gladly share more about that with you in a future episode. Uh, but I believe it was uh, Blessed James Alberioni, the founder of the Pauline family, who penned this prayer called the Heroic Act, Act of Charity. And it scares me to death to pray this prayer. <laughs> I've, I'm telling you, there have been days where I have prayed this. And I have sincerely meant it, and I was full of faith in those times. It must have been the, 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 the Holy Spirit giving me the gift of faith right there in the moment to pray this prayer, because most times this prayer scares me to death. <laughs> and you're going to hear why in just a minute. But let's go ahead and pray it right now, and I'm going to let your presence with me bolster my faith as I pray this prayer, the heroic act of charity. O my God, for your greater glory and in union with the merits of Jesus and Mary, I offer and give for those in purgatory the satisfactory value of all my good works and prayers and also the suffrages which I will receive after my death. I beg you, dispose of them according to your holy will. Amen. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Were you listening to that? <laughs> oh my goodness. This is what you're basically doing is praying to God and saying, Okay, God, I'm 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 giving to you. I'm offering and giving for all those in purgatory the satisfactory value of all my good works and prayers. That means that every time we give a we we, we do a good work, every time we pray a prayer, we are 
gaining in holiness. We are, and it's once again a terrible analogy, but we're racking up merits with God, okay? Uh, That's a bad analogy, but you get the picture that we're receiving something. We're receiving holiness and grace from God. That's why, that's what gives value, as a matter of fact, to offering things up for people or for situations, right? You're receiving grace from God. You're offering up these, what's known as merit. And merit would be another day-long discussion trying to explain what merit is. Go look it up in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Merit, what is that all about? Um, but all of the merits that I would receive, that's what this prayer is saying, all the merits that I would receive from, from my, my good works and my prayers, I give to the poor souls in purgatory. I'm not keeping anything for myself. Matter of fact, I'm going one step further, and I'm saying that any of the merits, or what they call suffrages, right, the, the, the living people, people alive after you're dead, who pray for you while you're in purgatory, okay, and all the grace and merits that you would receive in purgatory, you're giving that to the poor souls in purgatory too, It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy good, but it scares me. You're giving everything that you're going to get now on earth and everything you're going to get after your death to the souls in purgatory. It is the heroic act of charity. So where does that leave you? I mean, theoretically, if you listen to the, what this is saying here, right? It, it's leaving you in purgatory for like however long. I mean, it could be forever, you know? Well, not forever because eventually you'll get out and be in heaven. But... um what, what this is basically doing is it's saying, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. I want to pray for the poor souls. Uh, I know they need prayer, and I'm giving everything I can to them, both what I have here on earth now and also what I will receive after death. And I trust you, God, that you will take care of me and that you, who are all good and all loving, cannot be outdone in charity. So I trust in you, Lord, that you're going to take care of me, even though I'm giving all my stuff up. I'm giving everything up. So that is uh, the heroic act of charity. Now, we talked about death. We have talked about death already and uh, how this has been uh, brought to my attention, really kind of brought to the fore uh, this past week. And there's a prayer I'd like to to pray with you here. It's a prayer for a happy death. And as part of the Pauline family, uh, Char and I are encouraged on a monthly basis to pray this prayer for a happy death. St. Joseph, by the way, is the patron of a happy death. And someone the other day who's associated with the monastery where my friend passed away this past week, uh, who's a friend there, a friend of mine, who's associated with the monastery, made a comment. He goes, you know... It's interesting because of the, the the last several monks who have passed away there at the Abbey, they've all died in their sleep. I was like, wow, really? I, I didn't know that. I, I guess I never stop and take into consideration how they die. I just know that they die. And But the last several, they all died in their sleep. And what's one of the things that they do as a Benedictine? They pray for a happy death. So right now, I'm going to pray for a happy death, and I ask you, to join me once again in the name of the Father, the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Lord, my Creator and Redeemer, in a spirit of adoration, I wholeheartedly accept your sentence of my death according to your will. 
I intend to die a devoted child of the church and to pass to eternity with the best dispositions of faith, hope, charity, and repentance for my sins, renewing my baptismal promises and my religious commitment. I offer you, Lord, all the circumstances, even if painful, which will accompany my passage to eternity in reparation for my sins and to better merit heaven. I invoke the great models of a happy death, Jesus crucified, with whom I intend to repeat, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. The Virgin Mary, so that she may pray for me now and at the hour of my death. And St. Joseph, that he may obtain for me a holy life so as to deserve a death like his. Jesus in agony, my suffering mother, St. Joseph, I ask you for these graces. To live a good life, observing faithfully the commandments and all the duties of my state in life, which will assure me of a good death. To be able to receive, in case of grave illness, the sacraments of confession, viaticum, and the anointing of the sick, and also the plenary indulgence. To be faithful to my vocation, according to the graces bestowed on me, so that my life may be most fruitful for God's glory and my eternal well-being. The grace to say my daily prayers and to do everything for my salvation, in particular the frequent reception of the sacraments of confession and communion, following the liturgy. Jesus, Master, I believe in you. Jesus, Master, I hope in you. Jesus, Master, I love you. Jesus, Master, I beg for your mercy. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, I give you my heart and my soul. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, assist me in my last agony. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, may I breathe forth my soul in peace with you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Here's a way you can be creative on a daily basis. Well, how else in your life can you actually create new things every day? And you have to eat. This mm-hmm. is the thing we all agree on. If you're going to eat three times a day to the day that you die, why not be good at it? Well, as we close, uh, there's one thing I do want to say. I, I meant to say this in the beginning of the show, and I completely forgot about it. And I don't know how because it was an incredible experience once again. Uh, this past week, I guess it was about a week ago, I drove to New Orleans happily, and I prayed on the way, by the way, uh, happily to meet a very, very holy and cool person. And I know you're just not going to believe this. Do you remember? Do you remember that a few months ago I had lunch with Lisa Hendy? You remember that? Lunch with Lisa Hendy. I had dinner just several weeks after that. Dinner with Captain Jeff. And guess what? I don't know what you call this. Maybe it was a late night snack. Maybe it was an after dinner drink. Maybe it was both. But regardless of what you call it, I had it with Dr. Paul Camerata of the St. Cast at saintcast.org. That's right. Dr. Paul Camerata was in town for a conference. Uh, he is a, uh, a surgeon, a brain surgeon, and he had a, a medical conference down here. And I found out about that, and I said, hey, you know, let me know if you have some free time. I'd love to come see you. And we went down, and we, we had a, a cocktail, and he sat there 
It was so much fun. He was like a little kid. We were comparing apps, iPhone apps. It was it was awesome. And he recommended a couple to me. iPieta is one of them. Uh, you can you can search for that on iTunes. iPieta, incredible application for uh, two dollars and ninety nine cents. You get like an entire Catholic library and plus tons of prayers and everything else. Great great resource. Uh, I encourage you to check that out. Also, I confess. Uh, was another one that he told me about, and that's really cool. Kind of helping, it can kind of help you to get ready for confession. It's got an examination of conscience, a place where you can actually take notes of what sins you want to confess. And then when you go into confession, you can have your little iPod Touch or iPhone out, and it'll uh, you can scroll down and see what sins you need to confess, and uh, you can erase those afterwards and maybe add new ones next time if if you're adventurous and you start to commit newer sins. <laughs> There's a reason why most of us confess the same thing over and over again, right? We would be concerned, or we should be concerned, if we're confessing new sins all the time. Um, but anyway, those are two great apps, and we just had a good time. We met over at the Columns Hotel on St. Charles Avenue, had a cocktail there, a little, little uh, aperitif, and then went over to Biblos, which is a Greek, uh, Lebanese, actually it's a Lebanese Mediterranean uh, restaurant, and uh, had a late a late dinner. So it was wonderful, excellent conversation, very edifying. Uh, Dr. Paul Camerata is a fantastic man, a fantastic Catholic. He is a man who is striving after holiness, and he is an awesome, awesome res- uh, resource for all things saint-like. So if you want to know more about the saints, go over to saintcast.org. Now, uh, once again, if you have anything that you would like to share with the Catholic foodie, uh, ideas, suggestions, questions, whatever it may be, uh, give me a call, 985-635-4974, 985-635-4974, or email me at catholicfoodie at gmail.com. And if you don't have a pen to write this stuff down with, have no fear. You can always go over to catholicfoodie.com, and all the contact information, all my contact information is there. Matter of fact, from CatholicFoodie.com, you can also go to Facebook and join the Facebook group. Uh, you can go to SQPN Connect and join us over there. Uh, you can do all that good stuff. So um, I look forward to seeing you, from to, to, to hearing from you. And uh, is there anything else I need to tell you? I don't know if there's anything else I need to t- tell you this week other than have a wonderful week. Uh, remember to pray for the holy souls in purgatory. And until next time, bon appetit.